The Gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, beginning in the 18th chapter at the 21st verse. And Matthew wrote these things. At that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Times 70, try 70 times seven. The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. He couldn't pay up, so the king ordered the man along with his wife, children, and goods to be auctioned off at the slave market. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. And touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. Now the servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him ten dollars. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay up now. And the poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. And when the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. And the king summoned the man and said, You evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? The king was furious and put the screws to the man until he paid back his entire debt. And that's exactly what my Father in Heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O oh God, may all beings everywhere, saddled with sufferings of body and mind, quickly be freed from their illnesses. May those frightened cease to be afraid, and may those bound be free. May the powerless find power. And may people think of befriending one another. May those who find themselves in the wilderness experience your presence. And may they find peace. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Robert Louis Stevenson, in his book, Edinburgh Picturesque Notes, tells of two sisters who never married and lived together in the same house. They had a falling out, a disagreement, and they decided never to speak to one another again. 
So with a piece of chalk, they divided up every area of their house. They drew a line across the sofa. They drew a chalk line right through the middle of the kitchen. Even the doorways were divided. And the two women lived all of the rest of their lives, imprisoned in bitterness. They refused to even acknowledge each other's presence with one piece of chalk. They marked each other completely out of their lives. People are still drawing chalk lines. Maybe we can't physically see them, but they are there. Words are carelessly spoken. Someone offends another. Something real or imagined happens. And the result is a chalk line. A line that in effect says, I don't want to have anything more to do with you. You can't be my friend. Here is my line. This is my side. That is your side. It happens in every kind of relationship, marriage, family, friends, jobs, associations. Something happens at the office. Something happens in the neighborhood. Dare I even say it? Something happens at the church. And chalk lines are drawn. So Peter comes to Jesus and says, Master, how many times do I have to forgive someone who hurts me? How about seven? That would make me a pretty forgiving person, wouldn't it? I think that's a pretty good hard number, a perfect number. Yep, seven ought to do it, right? And Jesus says, try 70 times seven. Try enough that you will lose track of the number of times. And he tells another story. In the story today, the lead character makes a poor choice, which really brings no small amount of trouble to him. He finds himself in debt to his master with no good means available to pay off his debt. He knows this world very well. So do we. Sometimes folks spend too much. They lose perspective on what is truly important in life and squander what resources they really have on unimportant things. It also happens that sometimes accidents occur and folks have not set aside enough to help them survive in emergency situations. Whatever happened to this servant, he knew how things worked in a world of debt. When you can't pay, you have to renegotiate or end up in debtor's prison. So he asked for some kind of deal, any kind of deal, so that he could try and pay back what he owed. The master, however, 
surprised him by opening the door to a world about which he knew nothing. He introduced him to a debt-free world, a world in which debts could be forgiven. And he told the servant that he would have to pay nothing, pure mercy, pure grace. You know, folks, really understanding what this means and choosing to live within such a world is a very large undertaking for each one of us. And whether we can respond in kind seems to me is the ultimate question. It's a bottom line kind of question for us. Well, as you well know, the servant goes and finds someone who is indebted to him. And he tells him to pay up, and when he can't, he has him thrown in jail. And the other servants report this, and the tables are turned again for the one who so freely accepted his master's forgiveness, but who could not forgive others himself. And guess what? He gets to once again experience the lifestyle in which he is stuck the one he can't seem to let go of. It would seem that Jesus is saying to his hearers that there is a lifestyle that deals with debts and indebtedness, and there is another one in which debts are not an issue because forgiveness in that lifestyle sets you free. And it seems to me one has a choice. You live in one or you live in the other. And Paul reminds us to tend to our own knitting. He says, we have our hands full just taking care of our own life before God. And I really think all of this boils down to how we are to relate to one another and particularly maybe how we will relate to our past. Because, folks, forgiveness is ultimately a decision that we make about our past. Forgiveness is a conscious decision to accept both that you cannot change the past and also that the past does not have to hold you captive. Forgiveness, you see, is a decision about the past that will ultimately determine the future. When you forgive, you release the past and you enter into an open future. When you cannot forgive, you remain captive to that past forever. Nelson Mandela, after 27 years, 27 years, in a South African prison said this, forgiveness liberates the soul, it removes fear. That is why it is such a powerful weapon. And when asked about his jailers, he responded that forgiving them was a choice to set himself free. He could leave those guards there in the prison, 
instead of remembering them always by nursing resentment. Forgiving then, folks, is really separate from loving the other. It's separate from liking. It is separate from restoring trust in relationships. And it is certainly separate from forgetting. But if we learn to live a lifestyle of forgiveness, it becomes a habit. It becomes rooted deeper inside of us than liking or trusting or forgetting can be. It ultimately then becomes about loving God and ourselves. Forgiveness is about survival and freedom. So I encourage you this day, forgive beyond your ability to count. 70 times 7 is a long list to keep. Avoid the chalk lines that separate us one from another. And tend to your own knitting. In closing, I just want to encourage you this morning to call to mind that one person that you are having the hardest time forgiving. Now I want you to call to mind all that God has forgiven you. Perhaps while we are singing, let it go. Let it go.